Uh, my name is Maurice. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, if I haven't met you yet. It's so good to see all of you here in person and also every single person watching online. Um, I want to get started, but there's something that's taking place in my own life. If you were uh, seeing me speak last time, I did something where I did a little shout out to some friends on a group text. Um, and somehow my niece was watching and she has been blowing me up of Maurice. Why haven't you shouted me out also? Um, and I guess it's this weird thing that like, saying someone's name in a sermon is like, holds a lot of weight. So shout out to Kennedy, my niece. Um, if you're watching this during my sermon, I said I'd do it just for you. So uh, <laughs> I, I don't know, she just was FaceTiming me and I'm like, all these things. Uh, but I love you. So uh, thank you for helping me with this message also. A little side note, she helped me uh, prepare this message. Um, here's the deal. We've been in a series entitled John and the tagline has been a journey to the cross. I want to take my time here and slow us down and provide a little context as we're leaning into this. Because as we look at the book of John, uh, starting last week and for the next couple of weeks, we'll be sitting in the book of John and the journey to the cross. The journey to the cross, that aspect is we want to look at the rhythms of Jesus and what does he show us? How does he show us in the way that he lived and inviting us to live the same? John... Um, as I provide a little context here, there's a pastor in Cleveland that says, uh, when you don't provide context, you con people out of the text. Um, so I want to show you a little bit of what's happening, asking the questions of who is John writing to? Why did John write this? Who is John in general? These are assumptions that we just can't make because if we do, we'll misuse the text in the scripture that we're talking about. So John is a disciple of Jesus, and uh, the closest word that in our 21st century terms that we would use for a disciple would be apprentice. Uh, John, his entire life, devotion, and commitment was not just to uh, follow Jesus, but to become like Jesus and to practice the way of Jesus. So when you hear in church world uh, people saying disciples and we want to be disciples and we want to make disciples, they're simply saying that we want to become apprentices of Jesus. We want to become like him, following the way of Jesus and practice the way of Jesus. In John chapter 20, uh, he writes all of these different chapters. And as he's giving his firsthand account of who Jesus is, he's writing down in a very poetic way of what he has seen in the life of Jesus. And John writes all these chapters and towards the end, he begins to give us the purpose of him writing the book in the first place. I think this is important if we're going to journey through John for the next couple of weeks for us to know why did John even write this book? Because as we journey towards Easter, I want us to recognize that we get to really experience Easter if we prepare ourselves the right way. John writes this in John chapter 20, verse 30 through 31. He says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. I wrote this, John is saying, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. John is very clear, and so we want to be very clear as well. Uh, he's very clear about uh, his motivation of writing this, this book and this text. So that in writing, in reading, it's not just so that you can know about Jesus, but so that you can know who Jesus is. It's our same hope here at Ascent, and we want to be very clear. 
that we want to be a community that, just, that doesn't just know about Jesus, but knows Jesus. What does that even mean, right? Well, if you think about it in your own life, uh, people know about your kids. You know your kids, right? There's some things, some details, the things that they, the way they act, the way that they hold themselves that others don't know. That paper, writing down on paper, really couldn't give you because you're in it with them. People know about your spouse, but you know your spouse. People know about certain things, but do they know what that really is? John is writing and saying, my whole purpose for this book is so that you may know who Jesus is and have a relationship with him and know that he is the Messiah. So as we read this, as we journey in the book of John, our hope is to be very clear as well. Here at Ascent, all the things that we do, we want to be very clear. Our hope is that you would have a growing, thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. And this isn't sort of a bait and switch sort of scenario, right? I remember talking to someone and uh, they wouldn't identify themselves as a Christ follower. And uh, some of the wrestling that they had with church is that uh, we do all of these good things so that we can bait people um, into uh, or indoctrinating people into believing what we believe. And it's actually quite the opposite, that we live in such a way Practicing the way of Jesus, not perfected at all. If you're looking for a perfect church, now's the time. I'm going to go ahead and give you the exit. Just go ahead and walk on out. Not perfect people, but people that are practicing a way of living like Jesus. And because we practice a way of countercultural living like Jesus, we love on others. We bless our city. We give financial aid and relief to those who are impacted by the Marshall Fires. We host a Christmas shop every single year that costs tens of thousands of dollars that we donate as a community to bless those who are less fortunate who can't have a Christmas. We have partnerships with the mayor and we have partnerships with Louisville Police Department and we build relationships with schools and city council and all of these different things, not for a sort of bait and switch. Because we're living like Jesus, we're living in the way of Jesus. We do all of these things, but here's the deal, our hope will always be that every single person has a relationship with Jesus Christ. Why? Because we see that as a game changer. We see that as something that has changed the entire world. And when we are in harmony and alignment with the God of this world, our creator, not just our world changes, the world changes. And the text that we're going to read today actually shows us Uh, how Jesus comes into our life, and not only does he meet the physical need, but he speaks to the spiritual need as well. See, Jesus lived a life of both and. He lived a life of recognizing that uh, it's not just his motivation of um, healing and blessing and doing miracles and and giving everybody, uh, meeting the needs physically and in the natural social world, which is a big part of it. We aren't a people who are so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. We recognize that we are to bring heaven to this world, but Jesus is also showing us in the text that we'll read today, the spiritual need that we all have. And so as we journey today in the book of John, I want you to recognize what is the way, what is the posture of Jesus that he is inviting you towards? That may be something spiritual or that may be something physical. And all of these things will lead us up until Easter. And here's the deal. Easter is not just uh, bunny rabbits and uh, uh, fancy brunch and chocolates um, and all these different things. Uh, In the Christian world, we believe that is the day that changed everything. 
But how do we truly get a chance to experience Easter and it not just be another Sunday? Two practical ways that I want to give to you um, and that I see in Scripture and that I see in the life of Jesus. Two practical ways that I want to do that. Um, we need to immerse ourselves in the Jesus story. Number one, uh, how do we do that? Well, we're going through the book of John. Um, but every single Sunday that will be coming up, we won't have the ability to cover every single chapter. Last week, we started in chapter one. Today, I'll be in chapter nine. So here's my encouragement to you. Uh, would you, in your off time, whether you're a person who identifies as a Christian or not, um, to lean a little bit closer of who Jesus is and recognizing uh, his posture, uh, would you, in your off time, read in between the chapters? Would you, in your devotional time, take some time to just read a little bit more about Jesus? And I want you to take notes. What is Jesus doing? What is he showing us? How is he living that is so radical that has all these Christian people becoming fanatics? What is he doing? So immerse ourselves in the Jesus story. Uh, and number two, this is a little bit of a nudge, right? It's a little bit more of a push. Um, but a lot of people right now um, within the Christian faith and Christian world are in a season of Lent. Um, Lent, in a very, very reduced way, I don't have the time to unpack it, is uh, pretty much a fast, right? Um, but it's not just a fast like you would, you know, YouTube, how do I fast and lose weight and all these other things, right? Um, the way that I would put it, you know, that way I would write it down is that we temporarily say no to something so that we can experience the fullness of Jesus's yes. We temporarily say no to experience the fullness of Jesus's yes. And the yes that I'm speaking of is when Jesus said, Lord, not my will be done, but your will. And he goes to a cross and dies. So would you do those two things for us? Because on Easter Sunday, we get to live into the Easter story. Today, we find ourselves in John chapter 9, a story of a man that is born blind. Uh, and the story and the takeaway, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. If you're not taking notes... Write this down. You know how I get down, right? Um, here it is right here. It's very simple. Uh, Jesus slows down enough to see you so that you can see him. Jesus slows down enough to see you so that you can see him. I want to pray for our time together, and then we'll move forward. Lord, I have a simple prayer for every single one of us on today. Uh, would you open our eyes? Would you heal us of any blindness spiritually, any blurriness that we may have on our hearts, any baggage that we may be carrying so that we can ultimately see you clearly because you see us so that we can see you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. There is a new feature on uh, some of the latest iPhones uh, called the cinematic mode, cinematic mode. Uh, and what the cinematic mode does on the iPhone um, is it focuses on a FaceTime or even in pictures, um, it focuses very clearly on a subject and blurs out everything else around it. It focuses on a one particular subject and blurs out everything else around it. I thought this was pretty cool as I was playing with uh, my new phone and kind of seeing how it blurs out the background and it focuses on what's important. It focuses on one particular individual. Uh, I came across a uh, video um, on YouTube that Apple released and I want to show it to you and it's very subtle. As you watch the video, uh, watch the, the changing of what's blurred and what's clear. What's blurred and what's clear. Go ahead, turn your attention to the screen and watch this. 
Can I ask you a question? Am I out of focus? You're fine. Yeah, but I mean, look at me. I'm all, I'm all blurry. Well, you're supporting cast. What? The camera focuses on the most important character, which is me. Well, what if my character had a big reveal? Like what? Like maybe I'm the killer. Are you? Yeah. No. Could have been. Could have been the killer. Shifting our focus to cinematic mode. This all makes sense in a little bit. I want to read for you John chapter 9. It says these words, as Jesus was walking along, he, came, he saw a man who had been born blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who has sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work, but while I'm here in the world, I am the light of the world. Uh, there's a lot to unpack in this uh, scripture, in this story that Jesus shows us. But what he does show us is that there's a man that was born blind and there's a conversation that he is having with his disciples. The conversation that he is having, uh, the disciples spark up this conversation as they look at this man. Uh, Jesus saw this man, but the disciples looked at this man. You'll know the difference in just a little bit. Um, and the, the conversation that they're having is wondering what happened? Who's, the, who's to blame for this? Was it his sins or his parents' sins? There's a very deep theological uh, question and answering here. But today, for our time together, I want to really focus in on what John is showing us. If you look at the entire text of John and in, throughout the chapters, once again, I, he's writing in a way that you have to be very watchful of what's happening. John is one who focuses more on the individual conversations of Jesus and not so much the crowd interactions. Uh, there's some uh, story, uh, there's, excuse me, there was a uh, zoom in sort of mentality that Jesus has here where it's not so much the crowd, but it's the individual. Uh, he has a, a conversation with a Samaritan woman that's at a well. G John focuses in on the individual conversations, not so much the crowd interactions. This is important for us because the question that I have is that how much of us, how many of us are living in a cinematic mode? How many people are we walking by? And because of the crowd, it's actually our busyness that blurs our vision. Sometimes our, our busyness of our schedules and the things that we do, our day-to-day, -day, is actually the things that blurs our vision. And many times in Christian world, let me talk to Christians for just a little bit, we use phrases like, uh, we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Today, in the text that we read, I want us to be encouraged that we need to also be people who carry the vision of Jesus. Jesus saw this man who had been born blind, the scripture says. But Jesus doesn't see the way that we see, right? 
when he sees, he actually sees it as an opportunity to zoom in, to, to, to focus in a cinematic mode, not just to walk by or to have off conversations to the side debating whose fault it was. Jesus saw this man and decided that this is actually a moment to bless this man and reveal who he is. He is the one who heals. He is the one who provides miracles. I wasn't much of a reader growing up in school. Um, and so I, there was two different collections that captured my attention and it hasn't been anything fiction-wise ever since, right? Um, the Chronicles of Nardia gripped me um, and Harry Potter was another collection that gripped me. Uh, once I was able to convince uh, my black parents that grew up Pentecostal that this uh, Harry Potter did not have an agenda to turn all kids into witchcraft and indoctrinate them. Um, that's a whole thing. Um, and my parents were really, like, oh my goodness, what is all this stuff that you're doing? And you want a wand? What the heck? Well, it was like, all right. But uh, it took a whole lot of convincing them that Harry Potter was an amazing fiction book. Um, but I remember going to this scholastic book fair at our school and I came across a book um, that I bought every single year that I went to the book fair because they would release all these new ones. Um, and one that, that book was Where's Waldo? Anybody know Where's Waldo? Yeah, throwback, right? Um, guy with glasses, striped shirt. Um, and the whole objective throughout this book, remember I wasn't much of a reader, um, was that you would open these pages and it would be a carnival full of people, tons and tons, and a big, big, huge crowd. And the objective for you, the reader, remember reader, um, was to find Waldo in the midst of this entire huge crowd. It was an objective for the person that opened the book to find where was Waldo, where was he hiding, right? And for us, I, I bring that up because you can't find Waldo trying to step back and look at it in a full picture. You have to get close, you have to zoom in, you have to really get close enough and go person by person to really zoom in to see where Waldo is. Jesus, as he is walking along, has a where's Waldo moment because he, in a cinematic mode, he actually zooms in on the one. On his way to the cross, Jesus is teaching us that don't get so busy that your vision is blurred to the point you can't see the one to the point that you can't see the plight of someone that may not look like you. Don't become so busy in your life that you can't slow down for the one. And sometimes it's a daunting thing to think about. Maurice, there's so many different people, there's so many in our community and all these different things. Well, one of the ways that Jesus accomplished this to become one of the greatest people who have lived on this earth, the greatest influence, whether you believe in Christianity or not, you can recognize that whoever this Jesus person is has changed the course of history. He has influenced so many different people in so many different communities. And how did he do that? He did that one at a time. That he would go around and sometimes he would have crowd interactions, but he slows down enough to see people so that they can see him. And this is the story of the blind man that we see today. And this is the story that for some of us, spiritually, we're in that same space. Jesus slows down enough to see this blind man, not just to see in the way that the disciples did, but he slows down enough to know the story of the blind man. 
the story does not give us any of the name, the name of the blind man at all. All we know is the person's condition. And sometimes we live in that same way where all we know is the label of a person's condition, but we don't know that person's story. It's the other, it's the person over there. They're identified by their struggle. They're identified by the thing that they're facing in life. They're identified by an ailment, a disability. They're they're identified by these different labels and we don't even know the story of people, but we have a label that we give them. Jesus comes and wrecks this entire thought and mentality because he leaned into the story. He knew that people saw the condition and not the person. He knew that in that culture being a person who was born blind, you were seen as less than. You were pushed aside so long that this person potentially even gave up. He knows that being born blind and living into a society where it's not acceptable and you're ostracized, that this man had to face some insecurities that he had to wrestle with. Is this my fault? Is this my parents' fault? Some of us, we sit in the same place of what is it that we're dealing with? Do people just know the label or do they know me? Do they just know me by the divorce that I went through or do they know me? Do they know me by the struggles that I'm facing or do they actually know my name? Do they realize that the pandemic took a toll on my mental health? Do they realize how much people hate being someone that they're not? Carrying around a mask, being faced with the things that they go home and nobody knows the things that they deal with. And Jesus sees this man and he recognizes that all the while he lives through a lens where the world is blurry. And for some of us, we may be in that same space where faith feels fuzzy. Faith feels like it's something that's blurry. At best, spirituality is something that is, uh, helps a little bit, but it's just sort of like uh, an extra to your life, a little topping on the top. And we walk through our life with blurred vision, a little bit of what we see on the screens. Jesus knew that this is the life that the man lived. Can you imagine being a person unseen? How that played a part on your dignity? How that played a part on how you saw yourself? Living life like this is something that many of us deal with spiritually. And all the while, maybe you can't put words to it, but our soul is longing for someone to see me. This is all I see in the world because of the things that have happened to me, the things that I've gone through, the things that I face and I'm wrestling with. That someone at a young age crossed a boundary that they should have never crossed and now I have to deal with the trauma as an adult. I look through the lens of these things day in and day out, and so many people are carrying around spiritually blurred vision, wanting to be seen. And what does Jesus do in this moment? Jesus changes the cinematic mode, and he zooms in on the one. 
knowing that many people can have a conversation off to the side, but how many people are actually living into the life of Jesus? There's an urgency that Jesus brings to interrupt this man. This man didn't start the conversation, Jesus started the conversation, right? It says that Jesus saw the blind man and he started moving towards the blind man. Because to answer the gospel call and be a faithful witness of Jesus, it's not just seeing things, it's actually putting feet towards that and moving in the direction, becoming proximate to someone. So a journey on, on the journey to the cross, Jesus shows us a way to change the lens, to change the focus and zoom in on one. And there's an urgency. He doesn't wait for the man to approach him. He approaches the man. And isn't it interesting that many of us, we long to be seen, but sometimes being seen is uncomfortable. We long to be seen, but sometimes being seen is uncomfortable. I, I'll put it this way. Um, I have this fancy camera here. Um, and we all long to be seen, but actually being seen is uncomfortable. Because you can look at me this whole time. Some people like it, right? Right? We see that. Uh, some people are okay with it. I'm just, hold on. How can I? A uh, uh, little bit. Okay. See? We, we, we do this whole thing where, uh, uh, whoa, who's that? Okay. Um, we, we long to be seen, but when the camera changes, it can sometimes, sometimes be a little uncomfortable, right? Um, and I just did that. It doesn't, it's not showing up too perfect. Um, I'm supposed to be cool at this because I was the cameraman uh, just last week. But no worries, okay? Listen, <laughs> we long to be seen, but sometimes being seen is uncomfortable. And I say that because when we shift our focus and when the, sh the focus is shifted on us, it's uncomfortable to be in those moments where change actually happens, where we're spiritually in a place where, man, I want to be seen, but am I going to put myself out there? Am I actually going to be the one who says I'm in need? Jesus shows us in this story of this man that was born blind that not only does he change the cinematic mode and focuses in on the one, but he helps the man change his lens as well. See, we can't change our world if we don't change our lens. And the lens for many of us that we've been seeing, the, that seeing Jesus through and seeing our world through is sometimes full of baggage. It's clouded. It's full of busyness. It's clouded because of certain things that took place, because of certain, let's be honest, um, my last experience with religion, my last experience with religious institutions was bad. And so it blurs our vision, it blurs the lens that we carry, that we have, in a place where we no longer want to try anymore. The, 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 the vision that Jesus brings is not only does he change the man's mode, cinematic mode, that I would say, of focusing in on the one, but Jesus teaches us that if we don't change the lens that we see things through, we won't ever change. So my question to you is that what lens have you been carrying? What, what lens do you see Jesus through? Because when we get our vision clear about Jesus, life becomes more clear in general. There's a story of a man named Peter where he walks up and Jesus is asking him, who do people say that I am? And there's a back and forth and they're saying, people say that you're Elijah, people say that you're a prophet, people are saying all these different things. And Peter says that you are the Messiah. And what Jesus tells him in this moment is that you didn't get that on your own. Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. An emphasis on the Holy Spirit being a part of the process of seeing Jesus clearly. And then what Jesus does is he gives Peter an identity. That upon you, I'll build my church. Upon 
this rock, I'll build my church. See, when we become clear about who Jesus is, we become clear more about who we are. And what happens is this moment that this man, all he knew up until this point was that he was healed. His vision was clear. He was healed. He didn't know who did it. He didn't know how. All these different things. People are having this whole debate. You got to read John chapter 9. Who did it? Why did he do it? All of these things are happening and taking place in all this conversation. He says, I don't know. All I know is that I was born blind and now I can see. And what happens is Jesus follows up because he just doesn't leave him to his own. And he says, do you know? This is Jesus talking to the man. Do you know who healed you? He said, no. I want to read that passage for you in John um, chapter 35. It says these words right here. John chapter 35, it shows us that when Jesus heard that what it, oh, excuse me. When, yeah, when Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, do you believe in the son of man? The man answered, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. Some of you in that space today, I don't know who it is that has done this. I don't know who it is that's given me this sort of grace. I don't know who it is that's blessed me in this way, but I want to believe in this person. Jesus said, you have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. The power of being seen is something that all of us long for. I remember this one in particular time where I was kind of fed up with church. I was a little bit done with church. I finished kind of like this sort of uh, journey of uh, walking with high school students and young adults back in California. And I was a little off. I was a little jaded. I was just done. I was a little tired of it. And I kind of went on this sort of hiatus of like, oh, man, I'm not doing anything on Sundays. Many of you have that. Um, I'm just chilling. I'm not doing anything on Sundays. And then it kind of like after a few months, I was like... Ah, I need to get back. I need to like, something needs to feed my spiritual soul. I need some spiritual nourishment. I need to be plugged in. I need to realize, or I see the need that I have. Um, and so we were, me and my wife, we were visiting all these different churches. We went around to this church, this church, this church, right? Um, and when you're in church and then you go to other churches, you kind of can't take this lens off of like, okay, yeah, da, 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 da. Um, but there was this one church that I went to in particular, and it was the last church that we were at in California. And the first time that I went... There's this guy named Mark Grunt They introduced himself to me. He looked me in the eye. This isn't anything radical or life-changing, but he looked me in the eye. He stayed in conversation with me, and I could tell that he didn't have his phone out. He wasn't rushed, but he was genuinely interested in who I was. That stuck with me. This is a picture of Mark um, and his family back in California. Mark doesn't even know that I'm showing this picture, so... Um, I might have to reach out to him after this. Just like, hey, man, I mentioned you in a sermon. This is Mark Grunts right here. And he followed up with me even after. And he uh, Facebook messaged me and said, hey, I remember seeing you today. Just wanted to reach out and say, love seeing you. Would hope to stay connected with you. I haven't seen Mark Grunts in years. I haven't talked to, talked to Mark Grunts in years. And yet, that story stuck with me because I remember even in the place that I was in, being seen, a person genuinely interested in who I was, not what I could do for their church, not what I could bring to the table, but wanted to know me. And don't we all long for that? For someone to know us, 
and to know us by name. The power of being seen is something that God has always been about, that he shows us time in and time out, that he always focuses in enough that in this crazy, busy world of billions of people that is broken and flawed and fallen, that he slows down enough to see you so that you can see him. As the band makes their way to the stage, there's a story of Hagar that I want to read for you as well. This is in the Old Testament where God is in chapter 16 of Genesis. And what's happening is that Hagar, um, it's this whole dispute. I mean, drama. If you think that the Bible is a boring book, like you just got to see it through a different lens. Like this is full of drama. This guy named Abraham is uh, married, but he can't have kids. And so his wife gets mad and she says, go sleep with this slave woman. And then he does. And then she gets mad again. And then they have a kid and like all of this drama. It's like, oh my goodness, what is happening here? Hagar is dealing with some insecurities and some struggles because She is now the one that's ridiculed, belittled, dehumanized. And it was at this very moment that she flees, that she runs away. And in the midst of her running away, God finds her. And he affirms her for who she is and calls her into a beautiful future, knowing that the child you have just born is going to be someone great and you will continue to have a legacy. This affirmation is a blessing to her. And all the way through the story, it, it gets to this, this amazing moment where in Genesis 16, 13, she says these words right here. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. I have now seen the one who sees me. It's this term in the Hebraic language called El Rohi. And it's a term that she coined in the Old Testament. We don't know a ton about Hagar's story. That's all that we really know from Hagar's story. And yet thousands of years later, we're still using the same term that I see the God who saw me. And some of you today, God sees you. And I'm just a person, a part of that story and that journey to encourage you that there's a spiritual blindness and a weight that you may carry. But I'm here to let you know that you are seen and Jesus slows down enough to see you so that you can see him. This isn't a place where you need to know all of the theology. You need to know all of the things. Sometimes it can be intimidating that I don't have it all together. And Maurice, what about the things that I deal with and things that I do? I don't even know. I don't even know if I believe all of that. I, this something, church has this and that. I, I kind of believe this month. Nowhere in the story of someone following after Jesus is there this theology quiz of how much do you believe? How much can you answer about all of these big theological truths. It's simply Jesus longing for a relationship with you. And on the other side of that is your yes. The only way that the man became to see clearly spiritually is when he worshiped Jesus. It's really interesting that when we begin to worship, we become clear about who Jesus is. This next song that we're going to be singing is a moment for us to worship, a moment for us to sit with some of the blurriness that we may have and realize that God is calling all of us to be a people that can see him clearly. It's our mission. It's our vision here at Ascent. 
And when we can see him clearly, it impacts every area of our life. But that comes through a humble admission that we can't see clearly. See, we're healthy people when we realize that we can't see clearly. It's not the health of a person that when you realize how healthy you are, it's healthy because you're aware of where you aren't healthy. And when we begin to have a humble admission that I'm spiritually blurred, I'm spiritually in a place where I'm blind, that Jesus says it's that admission that opens the door for us to see clearly. This next song is about seeing the light because Jesus is the light of the world and that's what he has come for, to shed light on everything that we may be going through because he slows down enough to see us so that we can see him. And that's gonna be my prayer for us. I wanna pray and would you please lean into this song, this worship moment, the same moment that the man who was born blind had to say, I have a humble admission to recognize I am spiritually blind in need of a person who can see me and shed light on some of the darkest places that I may be walking through and bring healing to those things, not just leave me where I am. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Jesus, we long to be seen and you have slowed down enough in scripture and in our life today to show us what it means to be seen so that we can see you. May you bless us, Lord, with a cinematic mode to see the one who is in need and also with a vision to see where we are spiritually. And may that bring us to a place of worship where we can thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.